1: By listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio, you'll be joining, supporting, and gaining strength from the schizophrenia community. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
2: Welcome to Episode 15 of Schizophrenia Community Radio. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician retired from practice. Our topic today is Caring for Schizophrenia, Questions for the New Government of Canada. Now, on October 19, 2015, two or three weeks back, Canadians elected a new federal government with a very strong mandate. Our episode today, which is being recorded on November 9, 2015, features two guests whom I'll introduce in a moment. Both have strong involvements with and experience of things, including advocacy, that matter, matter very much in caring for schizophrenia, a serious mental illness which is greatly feared. They, my guests, are going to phrase questions which they would like to be addressed by the new federal health minister, Dr. Jane Philpott, who's just been named. She's a family physician with a strong academic background, with considerable experience in advocacy, and with numerous awards to her name, all of which is why our topic, Caring for Schizophrenia, Questions for the New Government of Canada, is so important, not only for the schizophrenia community, but also the mental health community generally. Now, to discuss it, our guests are Florence Budden and Ryan Clark. Now, Florence is a mental health nurse and nursing instructor at the Centre for Nursing Studies in St. John's, Newfoundland. She's president of the Canadian Federation of Mental Health Nurses. She holds a bachelor's degree in nursing from Memorial University and has a certification in psychiatric mental health nursing from the Canadian Nurses Association. She's the past president of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada and the past president of the Schizophrenia Society of Newfoundland and Labrador. She's the current co-chair for advocacy for the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. And she's a representative on the Canadian Alliance for Mental Illness and Mental Health. Ryan, Ryan is a lawyer. He's the founder of Advocacy Solutions, a business committed to providing a voice to organisations and individuals through the development and implementation of impactful advocacy strategies. He holds an honours BA and a master's degree, degree in political science, and it was 1993 when he graduated in law. In 1997, he became a policy advisor within the government of Ontario, And in 1999, he joined what is now GlaxoSmithKline, Inc., where he was a senior manager in public affairs specializing in public policy and government relations at the municipal, provincial, and federal levels. So welcome to the show, Florence and Ryan. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great. Florence, please start with you. Please tell us, more about your career in psychiatric and mental health nursing, especially as it relates to schizophrenia. Florence?
3: Well, I began my practice in 1988 at the Waterford Hospital, which at the time was the provincial psychiatric institution for the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, um, after I graduated from Memorial University and I began working in the acute care area with clients with various diagnoses, but I had a special interest for those clients who were dealing with serious and persistent mental illnesses uh, like schizophrenia. Uh, I began to do some work with another group of professionals on educating families because that gap was in the system, and I was uh, the individual who... Uh, developed the educational plan for families who had um, individuals living with schizophrenia and psychosis. And through that, I became involved with the Schizophrenia Society of Newfoundland Labrador. And the rest is history. So I have been involved working with families and individuals living with schizophrenia and psychosis since about 19, 19... 1998,
2: 97. A remarkable career. Now, Ryan, please tell us about your career in law and advocacy. Ryan?
4: Well, thank you, Gordon. As you noted in your introduction, I've spent my whole career in and around advocacy, but from several different perspectives. I started off practicing family law uh, as a litigator in court every day, representing my clients in what was often a very adversarial, as well as a, as quite an emotional environment in many circumstances. Deciding I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life, I then went and worked in government as a policy advisor to a, a minister in Ontario. So I served on the political side as opposed to the bureaucratic side. And that's where I began to practice what I call reverse advocacy, in which governments advocate out to stakeholders in an effort to if you will, keep them quiet or keep the lid on a potentially boiling pot, particularly as you lead up to an election. And then from there, I became a lobbyist, as as you mentioned. In fact, I literally lobbied the person who took my job at Queen's Park. And so you can appreciate there's a tremendous advantage when you've sat on both sides of the table, as it were. You've been lobbied and you've been a lobbyist. And then finally, I took all of my experiences from those three jobs and created advocacy solutions.
2: Right. Florence, please tell us more about your many years of work with the Schizophrenia Society of Canada. Florence?
3: Well, I was elected to the board of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada for the first time in 2001. And I began working um, with the board at that time Uh, representing, um, actually, I was a representative for Canada because I was an elected uh, representative. And when I became involved with the board, um, it doesn't take me long to want to become involved and have a voice. And um, I became involved with the advocacy committee. Um, And with that advocacy committee, uh, I began to look at various topics like uh, criminalization of the mentally ill, um, mental health law, um, you know, appropriate housing, safety, treatments, and programs. Um, a year after being on the committee, I was asked to coach to chair the committee, and I coached and I chaired that committee then for five years. Um, I took one year off in the board. Went back as Newfoundland rep and then became president in 2011 until 2014. Uh, The board extended my term past the normal two-year mark. Um, Advocacy is probably the most important thing for me in terms of what I do with families and individuals living with schizophrenia and psychosis because often uh, they have challenges in finding a voice. Uh, schizophrenia is one of the most misunderstood diagnoses, uh, and families find uh, that they aren't sure where to go or what to do in terms of looking into the healthcare system for support and services because uh, sometimes families are often forgotten in uh, the discussion. So I guess um, in Newfoundland and Labrador as well, that's Um, where I got a lot of training, too, with advocacy. So I guess the best part of what I do is the advocacy piece with people. And I think, you know, um, I've learned a lot about advocacy from the families and the people that I have worked with uh, throughout this country who are living with the illness because um, families especially have learned to become the best advocates because of the challenges in the healthcare system in finding... Uh, appropriate supports and services for their loved ones. So they become very adept uh, at advocating and uh, finding things and searching things out. So it's Now, Florence,
2: I'm sorry to, I must say, I'm sorry to be rude, but you know me well enough. I'm going to stop you there simply because of time, but we're going to be talking about all of those things you mentioned later on. Very, very key points about family. Thank you. Now, Ryan, please... Tell us about the work of your business, Advocacy Solutions, especially as it relates to mental health. Ryan?
4: Well, founded in 2003, Gordon, the business is focused on teaching and training people how to be effective advocates on their own behalf, typically to government, but not exclusively. And we provide three core services, training and development, creation of strategic plans, and implementation of of strategies. Well, my clients typically include large to medium innovative pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies, patient groups, and other not-for-profit healthcare care organizations, but the people that I actually provide these services to are um, patient groups like Schizophrenia Society of Canada, for example, individual patients and, and caregivers, and I've worked with individuals within the context of schizophrenia and other severe mental illness, individual Physicians, other individual healthcare professionals, healthcare professional organizations, um, innovative pharmaceutical companies themselves, and also third party patient support programs. But stepping back from all that for a moment, the essence of what I do is teach individuals something that I think is a life skill the ability to advocate for yourself or a loved one, regardless of who you're advocating to. It could be your child's teacher or your spouse's physician. And in that vein, I've had the pleasure of working with our other guest tonight, Florence Budden, for over 10 years, as well as with, as I said, the Schizophrenia Society of Canada and most of the provincial schizophrenia chapters across Canada.
2: Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Florence, for bringing us together in this way. Um, and we're going to move on. This is where We take a short break. I always like to say this is where we pay the rent, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Azalea. and my guests are Florence Budden and Ryan Clark. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's health and wellness and variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
6: Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
5: Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century.
1: You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Florence Budden and Ryan Clark. Our topic is Caring for Schizophrenia, Questions for the New Government of Canada. Now, both of you, let's talk about what you see as the main challenges faced by individuals living with schizophrenia and by their families and family caregivers when they become, become involved with various levels of government. So please, starting with you again, Florence, for individuals living with schizophrenia who become involved with the criminal justice system, please highlight for us what you see as the main challenges that they face. Florence? Um,
3: well, I think the main challenges of uh, these individuals is there is um, a limited amount of prevention uh, in terms of preventing these individuals from coming involved with the criminal justice system. Um, I think we need to do the research to look at what are the best practices for preventing individuals living with schizophrenia from becoming involved with the criminal justice system Um, through participatory research all families and individuals living with schizophrenia to discuss what worked for them well and what didn't work for them. Um, Because I think prevention is the key. We need to prevent people from ever entering the criminal justice system once we enter the criminal justice system, there's a definite lack of education, supports, and services within the system uh, for people living with schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is not a well-understood diagnosis, so therefore there needs to be more in, more education. Um, we also need more psychiatric uh, psychiatrists who are trained in forensics. Um, it has to be a priority, the education for the correctional officers. Uh, so that they understand schizophrenia and when a person is experiencing an episode of psychosis, what does that mean? How should they handle them? I think the other issue is as well, if an individual with schizophrenia is in the system, um, oftentimes they end up in segregation uh, because of the lack of education um, that's given to the correctional officers and staff. And this, again, only fuels how they're feeling at the time. Um, if you're paranoid, you will only become more paranoid. And um, we have to look at what are better practices. We also have to look at better forensic services for individuals and better reintegration into the community. And with all of that, the family needs to be involved and they need to be educated and supported. And I think that's extremely important.
2: Right. Florence, thank you for that we're going to be talking about that very much more, but that's a very, very good start for this. Now, Ryan, for the families and family caregivers of individuals living with schizophrenia who become involved with the criminal justice system, please highlight for us what you see as the main challenges they face. And they are the families and family caregivers. Ryan?
4: Let me start by drawing an important distinction here. While the administration of justice in our system of government, Gordon, is shared between Ottawa and the provinces and territories, when we speak of the criminal justice system in Canada, we are speaking primarily of offenses under the criminal code, which is federal jurisdiction. Lesser offenses are covered under provincial legislation, things like when you get a speeding ticket or trespassing and that kind of thing. But if you're in the actual criminal justice system as someone with schizophrenia or as a, a caregiver and a and a, a family member, I think the biggest challenge is is helping that person navigate a system that is fundamentally uh, not set up to properly manage people with severe mental illness. So I would echo for families and caregivers much of what Florence has has gone through. So, for example, precharge. Diversion which occurs when police officers um, refer what are called emotionally disturbed persons that's the nomenclature within the within the uh, legal system when they refer people like that to hospitals or other mental health services instead of involving them further in the criminal justice system seems to me to be a much better alternative so I would suggest that families and caregivers need to understand. Things like pre-charge diversion and advocate for their loved ones to be sent down that stream um, if at all possible. But I can tell you in Ontario this option of pre-charge diversion is both underutilized and inconsistently applied. Now once in the system there's a lack of mental health screening and so unless you are fortunate or lucky enough to come across a, a court support worker who can who can get you out of the system essentially you're likely going to be stuck there, not getting the treatment that you need and, in my opinion, are entitled to. So, again, at that juncture, when engaging with court support workers, I think it's incumbent upon caregivers and family members to be advocates to say to that person, I need your assistance to get our loved one out of the system where they don't belong. And finally, while there are mental health courts in Canada... They're only in a handful of cities, helping just a fraction of the families that need help. And so certainly one of the initiatives that a community could come together around would be to establish further family or, sorry, excuse me, further mental health courts in communities across this country.
2: Right. Florence, back to you. For individuals who are living with schizophrenia who require mental health care and who become involved with the criminal justice system, as you both described, please highlight for us what you see as the main challenges they face, particularly in getting the mental health care they need. Florence?
3: Well, I think one of the uh, main challenges that they face is that there is an inadequate uh, amount of services within the criminal justice system, within the correctional system for individuals living with schizophrenia. Um, And there's also a basic difference between the services in each province and within the federal system. Um, Families often think... That individuals will do better if they end up in the federal system versus the provincial system, and that that isn't correct. Um, I actually spoke recently to an individual with Corrections Canada, and they said that you know it's unfortunate, but that is a myth uh, because they're having grave challenges too in providing that support. There's a fragmentation. Uh, within the healthcare system, within the correctional system, which needs to be looked at. Um, We need to understand why uh, the individual went into the system, and the persons who are working with them within the system need to have a strong understanding of the individual, and they need to understand what recovery truly means for a person within the correctional justice system who has schizophrenia and how do we best support that recovery. Um, There's a lot of issues with uh, planning, discharge planning, um, because the system is so fragmented. Uh, There's not enough emphasis on rehabilitation, uh, looking at education and safe housing uh, supports for the individual when they return to the community and their family. So I think there's some of the biggest challenges that they face. The other thing that they face is that... um, psychiatrists and those individuals working within the system need to understand uh, recovery and all aspects of it, uh, not just medications, although medications are, are very important. Um, and I think that's uh, another issue that we face. So I think as well we need to have the provinces and uh, the federal government begin to work together on looking at how they can prevent recidivism of individuals back into the system and um, through prevention and rehabilitation and support when the person's in the community.
2: Right. Ryan, for individuals living with schizophrenia who rely on publicly funded access to medications, which Florence has just said are very important, please highlight for us what you see as the main challenges people face Um,
4: in getting the medications or access to the medications. Ryan? Absolutely, Gordon. I think the main challenge in this case is ensuring that they get access to the best treatment for them personally. And what I mean by that is everybody is different. Every human being, every individual is different. And people with schizophrenia will react differently to different drugs and different delivery mechanisms and dosages. And while generally speaking, the provincial and territorial governments, who have the bulk of the responsibility for, de- for delivering and administering uh, drugs through our publicly funded um, system, have been pretty good at reimbursing the medications approved by Health Canada for schizophrenia, and I think it's important to recognize that. Schizophrenia has actually not been too bad, historically speaking. I believe that increased budgetary pressures on the provinces and territories may mean that some will start to restrict the number of schizophrenia drugs. They pay for it for no other reason because there are a number of them on the market. And if this happens, I think the results could be significant. We already have mandatory substitution in this country, which means that if you rely on one of the public drug plans to take, and and you take a prescription to the drugstore, the pharmacist is required by law to give you the cheapest version of that medication, and that's typically a, a generic version. Well, if that version doesn't work for you as well as the brand name drug, what does that mean? The answer may be that you're out of luck unless your physician specifically indicates on the, on the, on the prescription, no substitution. But beyond that, what of the newer medications coming to treat schizophrenia? My fear is, like we are seeing in other therapeutic areas, the provinces and territories will simply say, we have enough schizophrenia drugs funded and we don't need any more. Well, I'd say I hope that the next unfunded medication wasn't the one best suited for your loved one because they're not going to be able to get it under those kinds of circumstances. Right.
2: Um, You've emphasized medications and you've emphasized some challenges which look as though they're starting to take shape, and this is both of you, especially as money is getting tighter, as it always does, always seems to do in healthcare. Now, let's take the break and come back to talking more about these kinds of things. So, let's take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Averley. My guests are Florence Budden and Ryan Clark. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us, we're coming back. and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific,
5: right here on Voice America Business.
0: Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. the Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of Travel. From maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations, Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd, Dreamweaver, airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
5: together in conversations that make a difference right here on the voice america business channel every friday morning at 10 a.m pacific standard time
1: you are listening to schizophrenia community radio with dr gordon Atherley. if you have any suggestions questions or comments you'd like to share with him please send them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio and Florence Budden and Ryan Clark. Our topic is Caring for Schizophrenia, questions for the new government of Canada. That's the federal government. Let's talk about what you see as the ways in which, in Canada, a national organization devoted to schizophrenia could help overcome the main challenges faced by individuals living with schizophrenia and their families and family caregivers, especially when they become involved with the various levels of government among the problems that we've been talking about. First of all, with you, Florence, please highlight for us what you see as the ways in which in Canada, a national organization devoted to schizophrenia could help overcome the main challenges facing individuals living with schizophrenia who became involved with the criminal justice system. Florence?
3: Well, Gordon, I would state that um, one of the biggest things is that uh, these are the individuals who have the experience and the knowledge those individuals living with schizophrenia and their families, and they would be able to provide uh, their personal experience with the system um, so that the government could understand what went well, what didn't go well, and what changes they needed to make. Um, It's a real challenge, though, to be separating everything, and I think that's where the fragmentation occurs. Uh, individuals who become involved with the criminal justice system still will be required to be involved with the healthcare care system. But if they're in a provincial institution in one province, this the services they may get are very different. So for our organization, I think we have the expertise that the government needs to uh, look at. They need to talk to us. They need to talk to families. They need to talk to individuals. And they really, truly need to listen. And they really, truly need to understand. And I don't think it will work with just placing individuals from the criminal justice system uh, in a room without having individuals from the criminal justice system, both nationally and provincially, uh, from the health care system, both nationally and provincially, uh, from areas within uh, social justice, for example, housing and employment. I think there has to be a greater, broader plan put in place, and I think we're the organizations that can bring these individuals together and provide uh, an opportunity for all of us to come together and, and, and discuss what's going on, share information, and then place new steps, next steps into play.
2: Right. Right. Ryan, please highlight for us what you see as the ways in which, in Canada, a national organization devoted to schizophrenia could overcome the main challenges facing families and family caregivers, caring for individuals living with schizophrenia who rely on publicly funded access to
4: medications. Ryan? Well, access to publicly funded medications is largely the jurisdiction of the provinces and territories, but having said that, I think there are some things that could be done at the national level. The first would be to ensure parity across country. It shouldn't matter where you live in terms of whether or not you get access to a particular drug, in my opinion, but here's the problem or the challenge, if I can put it that way. Under Section 92 of the British North America Act, the delivery of health care services, which includes medications publicly funded by the state outside of a hospital, is the sole jurisdiction of the provinces and and territories, specifically the provinces under that legislation or under uh, under that act. What that means is that if Ontario decides to make a drug accessible to a person on social assistance and Manitoba doesn't, well, that's it. There is no recourse for that person in Manitoba, despite the fact that if they lived across the provincial border to the east, they would be able to get it. So a national organization could certainly call for what I'll I'll describe as provincial territorial parity as it relates to to those medications. Secondly, they could engage Health Canada to ensure that there are no delays in approving new and innovative treatments for for schizophrenia. This has not really been an issue to date, but ensuring that it doesn't become an issue should be important in monitoring that part of the process. And finally, perhaps prompting the Mental Health Commission to weigh in on the need for uniform access to medications across Canada for the reasons I mentioned a moment ago could be another undertaking of, uh, of families and um, and caregivers. The, the, um uh, the Mental Health Commission has not typically done work in this area, again, because of what I said about it being exclusively ju- a provincial jurisdiction. But there is certainly nothing stopping them from making their voices heard on these critical issues uh, on behalf of those suffering with schizophrenia.
2: Now, back to Florence. Florence, drawing on your experience with the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, how would you make the case for it, that is the Schizophrenia Society of Canada, to be recognized as Canada's national organization devoted to schizophrenia. Florence?
3: Well, I would just state that we have done the work and we have been the ones doing the work with families across this country in bringing together a provincial groups to discuss issues related to schizophrenia and psychosis. And... Um, We have been consistently supporting individuals with schizophrenia and psychosis throughout the country. So I I would think that uh, based on our accomplishments in various areas um, and the work that we have done, the educational materials we have developed, uh, the collaboration that we have created with other organizations, both professional and other not-for-profits, uh, within CAMI makes us unique um, in being able to provide the government with the knowledge and expertise that they would need to make changes to the system.
2: Now, just to clarify one thing that you said, when you say the government, you're referring there, are you, to the federal government or the federal government and the provincial and territorial governments? Florence? Florence? <laughs>
3: I think I should be more clear. Yes, I'm referring to both. I think that's one of the biggest issues, and I think Ryan even is drawing on it that you know certain things are more provincial jurisdiction, certain things are more federal jurisdiction. Uh, similar to the federal government, Schizophrenia Society of Canada works with the ten provinces uh, to create change. We work with other national organizations to create change. I think the federal government has a responsibility to bring together the provinces and create change and create parity uh, for individuals within the correctional system, whether they're in a provincial institution or a national institution. So right. I think leadership is key here, and we have proven leadership in yep. everything that we have accomplished through the Schizophrenia Society of Canada to make us the organization that should be recognized as a national organization for people living with schizophrenia.
2: Ryan, similar question. Drawing on your experience with advocacy in health-related matters, how would you make the case for the Schizophrenia Society of Canada to be recognized as Canada's national organization devoted to schizophrenia?
4: Ryan? Let me start by saying that, in my opinion, for all of the reasons that Florence has has set out, there isn't much of a case to be made, because clearly Schizophrenia Society already is the national organization devoted to schizophrenia. But just in case, there are some doubters. I think the best thing that the organization could do is to take full advantage of the new government in Ottawa to send a very clear message about their role both currently and historically in this area. You know, one of the few direct health care investments that the previous federal government made... Was in the Mental Health Commission of Canada, which actually had its genesis in the last Cretean government. Government. I think most people forget that the commission was actually a Liberal idea, not a Conservative idea. Nevertheless, I think one of the most effective things that SSC could do right now would be to develop and implement an outreach strategy to all of the new and newly re-elected MPs with one very simple message. As the national voice for people living with schizophrenia and their families, we want to work with you to develop the supports and services needed for our constituents. They could then go on to describe what that would look like in the context of federal jurisdiction and really position themselves as a resource to the new government. In other words, say to the government, in in essence, don't even think about doing anything in severe mental illness without engaging us first because we can help. And of course, I would urge the Schizophrenia Society of Canada to continue their leadership role through the Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health, which, as Florence has mentioned, is an association of organizations from across the country focused on mental health issues.
2: Would you go so far as to say then that advocacy by the Schizophrenia Society of Canada should be directed at the Mental Health Commission of Canada, Brian?
4: I think it should be, absolutely. It is, a, uh, it is a creation of the federal government. It is funded exclusively by the federal government. And while I wouldn't want to suggest that it is a quasi-government organization because it's not, it has an independent board and it functions independently, because of its reliance on federal funding and its genesis in that regard, I think it's absolutely fair game to be, to be lobbied and advocated to by an organization like SSC. Right.
2: Just to go back to Florence very quickly, do you agree with what Ryan just said about the Schizophrenia Society of Canada kind of lobbying the Mental Health Commission? Florence?
3: Oh, um, I agree with Ryan uh, 100% and I, um, I agree with his outreach plan and perhaps that's something after this radio interview that Ryan and I can talk further about because I do believe that is the next step. But what I would say to you is that the Schizophrenia Society of Canada already has a very strong relationship with the Mental Health Commission of Canada and uh, we were involved not only... Uh, with Senator Kirby and his report, because I actually represented the Schizophrenia Society of Canada um, during that interview process for Out of the Shadows. And I actually am on um, or in the Mental Health Strategy of Canada. So we already have an extremely strong relationship. We just need to continue to bolster that relationship and assist the Mental Health Commission in moving forward um, with what they need to do, uh, for example, in creating mental health indicators so we know what is happening, what, what is being done right, sure. what's not being done right.
2: Sure. Good. Now, we've come to time where well, we need to take the break, so we'll do that now. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Florence Button and Ryan Clark. You're listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio on the Voice America's health and wellness and variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingtheburden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
5: Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
6: What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show, Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
1: You are listening to Schizophrenia Community Radio with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any suggestions, questions, or comments you'd like to share with him, please send them by email to docg at org. That's doc, letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Now back to Schizophrenia Community Radio.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Schizophrenia Community Radio. I'm Florence Budden and Ryan Clark. Our topic is Caring for Schizophrenia, Questions for the New Government of Canada and the Health Minister. So, I want you, please, both of you, to phrase questions to be addressed to the new minister which would be aimed at ensuring that Schizophrenia of Canada is recognised as Canada's national organisation devoted to schizophrenia. So, Florence, how would you phrase a question to the minister about seeing the need to improve the care provided to individuals living with schizophrenia who may be subject to federal legislation? Florence?
3: Well, um, the first question I would ask her was, have you heard their stories? Have you heard the stories of individuals and families living with schizophrenia? Do you know what schizophrenia is? Do you know what it means to live with schizophrenia? And do you understand currently what supports are available for individuals? Um, Most individuals and their families living with schizophrenia within the healthcare system would be provincial. So I would ask her, how is she going to support the various provinces in assisting them to improve the care that they provide to individuals living with schizophrenia and their families within the provinces? What can they do, uh, what can she do as a federal minister to provide that support and so that things will improve and right. I would ask her, do you understand what recovery was for individuals living with schizophrenia?
2: Florence, I'm going to stop you there and go to Ryan. Great answer, though. How would you phrase a question, Ryan, to the health minister about the role that a national organization devoted to schizophrenia could play within the context of the minister's mandate? Ryan? Ryan?
4: Well, Gordon, as you've said it, I would simply ask, you know, what role do you think this organization uh, could play within the context of, of, of your mandate? And, and let me answer the question not as the new health minister, but rather as what I think the Schizophrenia Society should be wanting to hear from her. First of all, this notion of the minister's mandate is important because, like the current government in Ontario did, the new prime minister will be making public the mandate letters that he sends to each of his ministers. These letters are going to set out the expectations of the new ministers and are used to ostensibly hold them accountable for their work. So we'll know shortly if mental health is part of this new health minister's written mandate. In the meantime, when the Schizophrenia Society asks Minister Philpott the the question we just talked about, Gordon, the answers they should be looking for may include the organization is encouraged to play a significant role in the context of this government's mandate, We welcome your input on the direction you think we should be going in mental illness and mental health. We would like to stay in regular contact moving forward. And the federal government is committed to strengthening the role of the Mental Health Commission of Canada. And once the contents of the mandate letter are are known, I think the Schizophrenia Society needs to look for text within that document to build their engagement around to essentially say, if you work with us, we can help you fulfill your mandate from the Prime Minister.
2: Right. Florence, back to you. How would you phrase a question to the Health Minister about the level of commitment that the Minister would be willing to make to the process of creating Canada's national organization devoted to schizophrenia? Florence? Well,
3: first, Gordon, I would have to say that uh, the Minister we'll not be needing to create Canada's national organization devoted to <laughs> schizophrenia because we already exist. What the minister yes. needs to do is to determine how we can assist her, as Ryan has said, to meet her mandate, as well as how she can assist their organization to continue to provide the education, advocacy, and support for individuals and their families living with schizophrenia in the community. So um, we are already creative. We are already the national organization devoted to schizophrenia and have been um, since 1979. Um, what we need now is f- to work with the health minister to move forward to, determine, to ensure that the system is no longer so fragmented for individuals living with schizophrenia that they often end up in the criminal justice system uh, because they don 't have the appropriate supports for recovery within the community,
2: Can I just ask you a supplementary question to see if you would phrase it in? maybe you wouldn 't Florence, is it a matter of convincing the minister that the schizophrenia society of canada is what you say it is a national organization and that what's needed from the minister is recognition of that fact florence would you go along with that
3: i would i would go along with that in the sense that um um you know we already are the national organization and i guess i'm plugging that point because i think that that sort of has been created um i think we need to educate her on what we do and what we do best and how we can best work with her as Ryan has said to to meet our mandate and for her to support us as the national organization to continue the work that we do through the Mental Health Commission of Canada and with the Canadian Alliance on Mental Illness and Mental Health.
2: Right. Ryan how would you phrase a question to the health minister about ensuring an aline- alignment between the objectives of the Schizophrenia Society of Canada and the goals of the new government, Ryan?
4: Well, Gordon, again, I think as you've said, it makes perfect sense. Um, what would you do to ensure alignment between our objectives as Schizophrenia Society and, and the goals of your government? The, the key to ensuring alignment is for schizophrenia society to share their objectives with the new minister and to know the goals of the Trudeau government in health care. As I mentioned, part of that will come through the mandate letter that the minister receives, but other hints may be found on, for example, the Ministry of Health website, which will almost surely be updated to reflect the new government's goals. And while Minister Philpott doesn't have anything explicitly in her bio that talks about mental health, the fact that she was chief of the Department of Family Medicine at a relatively large hospital in Ontario tells me she knows a lot about severe mental illness. So again, right. when SSC asks the minister the, the question we just talked about, the answers that um, SSC should be looking for may include, we welcome a full understanding of the organization's object- of objectives. We, as a government, are committed to finding common ground based on those objectives and our goals. Again, we would like to stay in contact moving forward to ensure sustained alignment. And finally, we, the government, will be counting on the Schizophrenia Society of Canada to be our eyes and ears in the the schizophrenia community, keeping us connected with families across the country.
2: Right. Now, very unfortunately, we've come to the end of this very important episode of of Schizophrenia Community Radio. But I just want to say, first of all, thank you to Florence and Ryan for sharing with us your experience, your insights and your opinions. And for the sake of everyone involved in the Schizophrenia Community, all success to you, both of you, and working together in this important work. I also want to thank our listeners, for comments, please, or asking questions, here's the email address to use, docg at Family Caregivers Unite. And if I could just take a few seconds just to add a plug for Schizophrenia Community Radio, what we increasingly specialize in is interviewing family caregivers, our families, and people living with an illness to get their experiences. And I think... Unfortunately, we we don't have time to discuss this. But I think what you're both saying is, yes, that's something that's needed so that the families, the family caregivers and the individuals are telling us their experiences so we can figure out how to respond to the challenges they experience. Now, on that rather bumptious point, I have to unfortunately close down because time's running out on us. So I'll invite us all to join us for the next episode which is called injectables medications and their role in medical treatment of schizophrenia look forward to talking to you then i'll be back
1: thank you again for joining us for schizophrenia community radio with your host dr gordon atherley Please tune in again every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thank you for supporting Schizophrenia Community Radio. We hope you, too, have gained strength.